If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 326 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Cristiano Ronaldo of Irish MMA media, Graham McDonald, as we talk uh, about a, a pretty jam-packed week in the world of mixed martial arts. So who, who's, who's the best, if I'm the second best in, uh, in Ireland then, in Irish MMA media, who's the best? Is that you? You're Sean Messi. Sheehan. I'm the I'm the Messi of Irish MMA media. Yeah, you can put it that way. Although I would, I know I'd had to you now, Graham. You're the best in fairness, so I'll I leave it at that. But anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit, obviously, about uh, Bellator have announced they're coming back to Dublin. Uh, we're gonna break that down. Ian Gary has a new gym. We're gonna look ahead to next week's cards, uh, and I'm gonna do my one of my famous uh, throwovers to uh, to Sean Sheehan to talk about the UFC. We're also gonna talk a little bit about PFL and whatever else is coming up as well. Uh, but before we do all of that, we must tell you that this week's podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. And for gamblers of all shapes and sizes, our friends at Manscaped have a can't-miss bet for you today. The leaders in male grooming just launched their fourth-generation performance package. The betting odds are in your favor when you use Manscaped 4.0 on your balls. Across the board, this is the package to get you in the mood for whatever your gambling heart desires. Ready to take... The leap to male grooming royalty, 2 million men already have. Join the Manscaped movement by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code SEVERMMA. And myself and Graham are on the Manscaped wagon, as you can hear, uh, every week with us. Uh, and uh, now that uh, the, the Premier League season is back and all of that, we'll be putting on some uh, some bets. And uh, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll be looking like Anthony Martial or getting our, uh, our, uh, our uh, Manscaped on like Cristiano Ronaldo, my boy, in the four pack. Martial looking like 10 years older over <laughs> over a few months. Yeah, that's <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah, sure, looking. The Performance Package 4.0 is the ultimate parlor to take your grooming game to the next level hitting a favorite is fun but shaving your balls with confidence the folks at Manscaped had given me that and my trust with trimming my boys the recent release recently released lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is a favorite of mine and I know Graham's too the fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to the advanced skin safe technology we love that skin safe technology it also gives you the ability to turn the 4000 uh, LED spotlight on and off when you need it for a pl- more precise shave, plus it's waterproof. Uh, the lawnmower 4.0 has you covered for shaving your balls, butt, and even gooch, thanks to the backdoor 
cover. The performance package 4.0 includes a weed whacker to chop the worst weeds on your nose and ears. The nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin... Yes, I said it right. Skin safe technology, which helps prevent nick, snags, tugs, and delicate holes. In those delicate holes, even. Uh, odds are you'll be sweating and feeling the heat after the big bet. Fix the sweat and stink with Manscaped liquid f- um, formulations, crop preserver, ball deodorant, absolutely fantastic and the reviver ball toner when you need a boost mid bet manscaped has a bonus add-in to their performance package with their boxers and shed travel bag these tools get your boys in your comfort zone before the game starts so that's 20 percent off and free shipping with the code severe mma at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off and free shipping with the code severe mma at manscaped.com fellas don't gamble on shaving your balls with the wrong tools. Choose Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Right, so Graham, let's uh, let's get straight into it here. Let's talk about a bit about Bellator Dublin. Obviously, we're uh, an Irish MMA podcast, and um, this was probably the the biggest story we've had uh, in a while in in Irish MMA in terms of uh, events. I know we had a couple up the north and Cage Legacy have. Um, uh, talked about it an event and you know cage warriors i'm sure are talking about events and stuff as well but bellator have put a date on it it is the 5th of november uh in the tree arena in dublin we have uh, somewhat of a card announced with uh steve Stephen costello against yusuf uh nagozota junior morgan versus dara kelly who if i'm not mistaken was last year's severe mma amateur of the year so he's making his pro debut that's big danny nealon who is the the female fighter of the year uh, are all up for the female fighter of the year anyway i think she might have won it but she's one of the the best female fighters in, in ireland without a shadow of a doubt and she's definitely going for it this year as well she's done uh, really well uh, she has a fight on this card as well kieran clark against jordan barton uh daniele skatizi uh, against brian high and then we have the and I'm sure we'll have a lot more fights as well. But then we have the top two, uh, Peter Quilly versus Patricky Pitbull in the rematch. And then James Gallagher with the, the first maybe big step up of his career against uh, Patrick Mix in that one. Before we get into maybe those fights and stuff like that, um, I suppose we ha- look, the, the first thing we have to say is, uh, will this fight happen? <clears throat> no, will, <laughs> will this card actually happen? We're in... Uh, currently, I know there's a lot of people, and actually, more people from outside of Ireland actually listen to this podcast than inside of Ireland. So maybe we should update people. Uh, at the moment, uh, Ireland doesn't have any events, so there's no concerts uh, indoors, no no big, um, you know, five to ten thousand people allowed at events. Outdoors, it's still you know, it's still small events. Even in in the our big hurling matches and stuff like that, it's still socially distanced with forty thousand instead of our eighty two thousand in Crow Park, our biggest stadium. But it looks like those are going to be adjusted next. Actually, with two big games coming up in the in the football, and they're both going to be forty thousand as well. So it's we are not back to everyone allowed in everywhere and they're making an announcement at the end of this month so what have we now the 28 uh, so it'll be next week I, I i think about kind of our roadmap for reopening and things like that now i heard that like there was like little bits of hints and stuff that they were throwing out and that they want to bring concerts and music and things like that back but i i didn't hear them saying that they want to bring it back with everyone in the crowd um but they did say from september so 
you know, September, October, November. There's another two months after that. So they're going to bring him back on a phased basis. Will that phased basis allow it to be back to, you know, 9,500 or whatever it is in the tree arena at the start of November? I would be a bit skeptical, to be honest. Someone asked me yesterday what, what percentage would I give it, and I would say maybe 50-50. Now, do I think we could have an event with maybe 3,000? Maybe. You know, maybe, but the tickets are already on sale. The tickets are already sold. I, I asked, is it going to be a full uh, arena? And I didn't really get a response. But I went down and I I bought a ticket for someone. It's probably because they don't know. They're, they're waiting to see like everybody else, you know. But the tickets it's... did go on sale, though. So, yeah, <laughs> how many but maybe they're selling sold? a certain amount. Yeah. And then they can release more because, yeah, you don't want to oversell. That would, that would cause a lot of anger. Yeah, but I, I think... What do you think? Do you first of all, do you think the the event will happen, or what? What would your uh, take? And I, I'm fifty. Yeah, well, like uh, it's definitely not a hundred percent, but I think it's more likely to happen than than not. Um, you know, uh, as you said, it's it's coming up in September now. It's it's basically is September uh, nearly anyway, and uh, uh, you know, two months is a long time in terms of you know uh, getting people vaccinated and all that stuff because I think. Th- I haven't been paying close attention to it, but it seems like the majority of majority of people in Ireland are already vaccinated. Um, the problem of bringing people in from elsewhere could could cause a lot of fights to be rescheduled or f- rematched and stuff like that. You could see a lot of that happening. And if the event does start to cause too many problems, like less seats than they anticipate or more problems getting fighters in than they anticipate, maybe it could end up being postponed or pulled. But... I'd probably lean towards it happening. But it's, it, there's so many factors going on that it's hard to know. Yeah, and I saw a thing yesterday as well. They're on about when they are opening events, it's going to be like a vaccine passport thing. So in Ireland as well, if you want to have a meal indoors at the moment, you have to have um, proof that you've been vaccinated. You can eat outdoors, but, you know, vaccinated or unvaccinated, it doesn't matter. But uh, if this isn't like... I would be very surprised if this event happened and you didn't have to have a vaccine passport, honestly. Um, now, maybe for indoor meals and stuff, it'll be changed by then. But for if it was, let's say if it was to be 9,000 people uh, at this, I think you probably will. So everyone is scared if you're a fighter or if you're coming to cover the card, if you're coming from America or England or wherever, um, you probably want to be getting your vaccine now if you haven't already got it to, to be uh, to be on this card. But uh, look, there's it, it's a weird thing because we, we should, look, this card was announced so we should be talking about it with all excitement and everything. And, and we are. I'm very excited about it. I've, the hotel booked it, the whole lot of Kawait to get there. Obviously, I'm fully vaccinated and also, and I've had the run on myself, so I'm... Uh, I ha- I feel like I'm I've the antibodies to cover myself, so I'm not too worried about it at this stage. But um, it's it, it, we all look. It'd be remiss of us if we didn't discuss that and we didn't discuss it. The possibility of it, first of all, not happening, and then of it uh, happening with with less people there. Look, if I was to call it right now, I think it'll probably happen. But I, will it happen with nine thousand people? I'd be very surprised, to be honest. But. I don't know if Bellator will would be worth or would be willing to go through with it with say three thousand people or less or no people even like because they have done events uh, last year in Europe it, over in where was it Paris and somewhere else where there were no people in the venue and they just did it to get the fights out there and obviously the UFC are doing it regular or have in the past anyway in the UFC Apex with no people in there look at cage wires as well so maybe Bellator. I think, look, we need to get the... Well, maybe, I'm not saying they're thinking it, but maybe if if it's a case of you can't have a crowd, maybe they'll say, look, we have this big fight. Um, we're going to do it in Ireland. It's tough for these people to travel. Let's let's just get going with it. But 
I don't know. I, I have. It's very hard to get anything out of Bella Lorde says, to be honest, because I don't look in fairness to him. I, I have asked loads of times over the last few weeks since MMA Junkie announced this. Um, and I've been told, look, we'll know in a couple of weeks, we'll know in a couple of weeks. And the last one I got was probably a couple of weeks ago. And they said, I think they've kind of just jumped at it here and said, fuck it, look, people know about it anyway. Let's just announce it. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But uh, hopefully, hopefully it does happen. Um, and for, look, just judging by the top two fights, let's get away from the whole the coronavirus thing. It's this is a, a a top top main card here with only two fights in it announced so far. James Gallagher, you know, ranked number six here in the Bellator rankings. Patchy Mix ranked number two. Patricky Pitbull ranked number one against Peter Queeley, ranked number four. And you know, Queeley probably should be higher up on that because he beat uh, Patricky in his last fight. These are the sort the of fights. Prestigious uh, rankings. <laughs> yeah, indeed. These are the sort of fights that we've kind of been calling out for in in Ireland over the last while. Because, uh, you know, uh, it might be a bit hard to remember now because it seems like it's about 10 years. And it was the last of it I was actually at the one in, in January of 2020. It just seems like so long ago. But we, we have always had the Irish fighters... And we've had a couple of other names and as well, you know, we've had the likes of Vincent Henderson and stuff, but we kind of wanted the big right at the top of the rankings, right near the title fights, our title fights on this card. And look, I believe Bellator tried to put a title fight on this card, but it, it didn't materialise. Um, but this, look, James Gallagher versus Patchy Mix absolutely could be a number one contender fight. Peter Quigley, if he beats um, Patricky this time, he's surely going to have to fight his, uh, his brother for the title. I don't think there's any two ways about that at this stage. These are two big, fantastic fights, and I'm I'm really, really looking forward to these. It's a, it's a, this is a, a good way to kind of announce the program, isn't it? Yeah, it is. There's some good, good fights, and we're expecting some more. You know, uh, usually there'd be a, there'd be a few more fights added to a Bellator card. So you know we're obviously waiting on um uh, people you'd expect like Sinead Kavanagh obviously there's been a lot of talk uh, for a long time about trying to put together put a big matchup together for her and we're just kind of waiting for that to happen and hoping that will happen so that could be uh you know like people probably can can guess uh who that is and, and that would be another very big fight but I think that would depend on Bellator being able to you know have a proper crowd there and you know, it might there might be some some of them blocks there. Maybe this opponent doesn't want to doesn't want to fight Sinead in Kavanaugh in, uh, Kavanagh in Ireland. So, um, you know, if if it's going to be a, a full house, we can expect some more big fights to be added to it. If it's not going to be a full house, then maybe you know there might not be any more big fights to it. But even if there isn't, you know, Patchy Mix and James Galler is a huge fight, a huge test, a big step up. Patchy Mix is a very dangerous fighter. Obviously, Peter Queeley and Pitbull was a really good fight the first time, ended in a, a doctor stoppage for a cut. So it's good to see that getting run back. Uh, and I think, um, you know, <laughs> Queeley will have an extra bit in in front of the Irish crowd. Like, the obviously, uh, Patricky Pitbull will, will know what he's dealing with and maybe take the fight a little bit more seriously if he didn't before. So it's a really interesting one, you know, uh, both of the, 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 the co-main event and the main event are very interesting ones. There's a lot of questions going to be answered there from the James Galler Apache Mix fight. And obviously the, the Peter Queeley Pitbull fight was a, is a, you know, 
it's sure to be a fan favourite get the get the crowd going yeah and it's, it's funny as well because usually like these cards are announced and a lot of people probably be asking us what would our maybe our dream card be or what, if we could put three or four more fights onto this what would it be and it's actually very hard now because look you look at someone like Danny Nyland uh, who has been announced for the card and she had a few fights outside of Bellator and now is back in Bellator and a lot of people like say Will Flory and a Richie Smullen and Franz Malambo they were released from Bellator but Brian that was, Moore, yeah. Well, well, we, we'll, talk about, we'll talk about Brian Moore in a second, but like, when will these people be now re-signed to fight on Bellator again, or were they kind of were they just released for because of the pandemic and to let them get fights, or were they released because they don't want them in Bellator anymore? That's that's the situation. Well, I'd maybe like they'll to offer see. them less money to come back, and yeah. maybe some will take that, and maybe some won't. Maybe yeah. it was just the, the money thing. You know, obviously the coronavirus hit nearly everybody. Maybe not these huge corporations like Viacom, but uh, obviously they're. They're sleeping in billions of dollars in cash, as Dana White always says. Or yeah. <laughs> um, they probably weren't hit as bad, but they're, they're a business as well. You know, their so their sub companies are obviously trying to turn a profit and stuff. And maybe they just they cut these guys purely because of their wage. Maybe these guys would have stuck around if they weren't on such big salary or such big um, purses. Yeah, and you mentioned yeah, 100%. You mentioned Brian Moore there uh, and Liam McCourt as well. It looks like they're not on the car. It looks like they're booked for somewhere else. Now you never know what can you... Well, Liam McCourt definitely is. Uh, she's booked, I think we mentioned that last week. Maybe it was on the Q&A. She's booked for a fight in London. I'm sure we'll talking, be talking a lot about that. But Brian Moore... Um, I think he hinted that he he definitely hinted that he's booked for a fight, and it looks like it's going to be in America, um, which was very surprising considering after the last fight he really wanted to be on this. But I think at Brian's stage now, it's more big fights than anything else, and he needs to you know if he's if he's offered someone in the rankings and it's in America, I think that's probably a better option for him. Although I'm sure he'd love to fight in Ireland, and I'm sure look, I'm sure Bellator would love to have him fight in Ireland as well. So maybe maybe it's that's not set in stone, but um, yeah, it's. It's one of those ones where this card, like, if they if they had to, if they needed to, they could really fill it up. Like, imagine you had James versus Patchy Mix, Queeley versus Pitbull, say, a Brian Moore versus Caspell or someone like that. Um, you had the, the Leah fight. Obviously, Leah's ranked, like, number four at the moment. You had, you know, Sinead Kavanagh against, I don't know, who could Sinead Kavanagh fight? I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I, you know, pick a name from anywhere, you know, maybe, uh, I don't know, I, I, I won't throw a name there, but um, this could be like an unbelievable card, but I don't think, I don't think they're going to, 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 to do that altogether, but it's still going to be good, but um, yeah, it's, look, Gallagher against Mix, I, I, look, uh, people as well, you said, and, and Queeley, the thing about Queeley is, and I think he has been able to kind of harness the Irish crowd maybe more than, than most people uh, who are not maybe, the, you know, the main event fighters because of his walkout, for one, and because also that mad comeback, uh, you know, that, that, he, that he did. But, he, look, it's also kind of working in him a little bit in the, in the Miles Price fight, I suppose. But he kind of said that, you know, I interviewed him bef- between that fight and his next fight, and he kind of talked about that, and he, he you know, he mentioned it after the, the big win as well, and he was kind of saying that he was more used to it this time, and, and um, you know, he was able to harness it, as I said, better. And, you know, for Patricky Pitbull... Uh, he's fought in, f- in front of some, you know, some big crowds and some raucous crowds, I'm sure, and that. But the Irish crowd is a little bit different as well. A lot of these lads like Patchy Mix as well. It's one thing fighting on Bellator cards in America, but fighting in front of if there is nine thousand Irish fans in there, that's a whole different ballgame <laughs> for a lot of these yeah, lads. By the end of the night in the main event, uh, they'll have a good few points uh, yeah. <laughs> sunk. 
Yeah, it's uh, and it's it, you know it's it is a mad one. It is a mad scene. You have to be there. So um, yeah, I look, I'm looking forward to that. And the Gallagher mix fight. I think James Gallagher. It'll be very very interesting to see the work he's done with James Kraus and um what changes he has made and how he's looking now obviously we know how good James is as a, as a wrestler and a jiu-jitsu artist he's been absolutely fantastic imperious over his last few fights obviously since the last to Ricky Bandejas but we haven't really seen much of the striking and if James Crows brought that up a level it could be you know it could be the next level of James Gallagher as well now a lot of people talking about James and saying he's never been tested and saying you know a lot of the, his opponents and Patchy Mix and other people are talking about you know James is no good and he's been protected and everything like this well this is the opportunity to to, to show it either way so it, uh, that's going to be good i also think it's, it's interesting you know will james Crowley be over with him will john kavanagh who will be the the guy in his corner will the two of them be in together given the instructions i think that's an interesting dynamic as well to see uh to see how that works out but um you know this is uh this is uh, it's great look it's great just great to see mma coming back to ireland it's great to be able to to speak about fucking you know fights and and stuff like that rather than the the whole coronavirus and the politics around it and stuff so it's uh i can't wait for it to be back are you going are you going graham you're going to come to the fights yeah i'd say so like uh i, I don't see why not it's uh it's like a big it's a big kind of could be a big coming of age moment for James Gallagher as Patchy Mix, like you know, he's 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 kind of putting it harshly, but this is definitely a big step up. This is like you know, this is a tough fight. This is um, this is one where where James will have to you know show improvements to to win. I think, um, and yeah, I think this is a this is a big this is a big night in Irish MMA. You know, uh, mm-hmm. obviously it's 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 been a lot of years since we've had regular shows, but it's been what two years now, has it, since the last Bellator, the last big show over yeah, here, January twenty twenty, yeah, yeah. So what, eighteen months ago, nearly two years ago. That's a, that's a long time. Like, and uh, I think uh, I think uh, you know it's going to be. I don't know. I don't know what the what the ticket prices are. I think people were saying there was it was like a huge a price bump. Was that between Did like? I... Um, hold on, I have it here. I bought one and it was eighty quid, but it cost me fucking hundred because it's of all the taxes and all or whatever it is. I think it's between like sixty five and three hundred, but that's for like for no most like the good. If you want to buy a good ticket, it's eighty eighty euro, but goes up to a hundred with all the the charges and yeah. like you have to buy the That's fucking lot, insurance like. and all as well for these cars like because it's it really there's a big chance it could, could go it is yeah. yeah it is expensive though. you know that like if they had kept it at like a normal kind of regular prices from a few years ago i think this would have been sold out very quickly uh, people would be excited to go people are kind of you know missing the local irish mma scene and the local shows but at that price after a pandemic you know that could <laughs> You know that could price out some of the the, the real oil Irish MMA fans. And- yeah, I really could. I, I think. And look, we we will see. I suppose. And you know, if it does price out, some people might be a blessing in disguise because I'm not. Uh, I don't know if they'll be able to put everyone in. But but anyway, look, we'll talk a lot about Bellator coming up uh, over the, the the coming two months, and uh, I'm sure fights will be announced and things like that. And hopefully, we'll be able to uh, we'll be able to get a full crowd. Um, you know, we talked about uh, James Gallagher there, kind of moving gyms earlier on, but announced this week another you know probably the up there with James Gallagher's Ireland's biggest prospect and a few more as well um is Ian Gary who has announced that he will be training in Sanford MMA uh, over in Florida and I just kind of looked up Sanford MMA 
on uh, on topology because I'm uh, I'm not the best at keeping track of who's at what gym. Here's some of the fighters that are at Stanford MMA card in the topology, right? Robbie Lawler, uh, Anne Lenasang, who's obviously a champion over in, over in Asia, Anthony Rumble Johnson, Derek Brunson, Rory McDonald, Vicente Luque, Gilbert Burns, Michael Johnson, Jared Gordon, uh, Takashi Sato, Jason Jackson, Darian Caldwell, Martin Nguyen, Andrew uh, Filo, Logan Storley, Kyle Nesbitt, uh, Impa Kasangana, uh, just to name Your boy, few. Jason Jackson. My boy, boy, Jason Jackson. <laughs> Your two boys together at last. Yeah, but if you even look at him, Jason Jackson, right? Um, Gilbert Burns and Vicente Luca and Rory McDonald, for a welterweight to be going in training with those four welterweights, you couldn't ask for better really for Rory or for, uh, for Ian Gary, could you? It's like, okay, we've talked about the, the whole Team KF thing and that was very, very unfortunate. I think everyone, if they had their way, it probably would have stayed the same and he would have done it that way. You know, they, they looked like they had a great thing going and everything like that. And I'm sure we, you know, we've talked about that before and we can talk about it again. But we are at a situation it's, now it's where kinda, you need a new gym and this seems to be a good decision, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it's kind of funny, like, you know, uh, for a lot of years, 10 years, people have been talking about Irish MMA fighters needing to go to these gyms um, to become what they, to become the best fighter they can. And, oh, you need to, you need to move over to, you know, some big gym with all these, all these UFC fighters, all and world champions from other, other organizations. And Ian's doing it at a young age. Obviously, the circumstances were far from ideal, but, um surrounding leaving leaving his old team and all that stuff but you know this is a as you said this is a you know a killer's row of of welterweights uh in one gym and uh ian's a young guy he's still he's still learning he's still like you know he's still young in the game he's still he's still um making his way and i'm sure i'm sure he's going to learn some uh, a lot of things from them uh, and it'll be interesting to see how it all works out um Obviously, he'll be in a in a different country for the first time. Um, he's not over there alone. He's got his he's got his girlfriend manager over there with him. But it's you know it's a definitely a culture shock. So that 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 could be something to, de- to deal with. But you know, over time, you'll probably deal with that and get settled in. And you know, maybe it could end up being uh the best thing for his career you know uh it's 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 obviously a very disappointing situation for for all the guys at uh chris fields and tom king and all that but uh you know uh for for ian you know you can't go back you have to just look forward and i think he's made a he's made a good choice in terms of you know kind of a fresh start in a gym with you know, obviously, as you mentioned, all these guys uh, with such uh, such high level guys. Yeah, if like say, even if you look at say like uh, Vicente Luque and Jason Jackson, you leave the other guys aside. Those are two lads who you can look at and you can see clear improvements in their games over the last few years. You know, I, I always go on about Jason Jackson. I just think he's a, a really, really good underrated fighter and does just such fundamental as well. I don't like. I don't think he's a maybe a standout athlete or like a, a guy who you would immediately say this guy is going to be brilliant but he's just he just does so many things right and I think a lot of that is down to coaching and if you're putting someone like Ian Gary who has you know the 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 je ne sais quoi I suppose <laughs> with the athleticism and the confidence and the ability to talk as well into a coaching setup like that it can only be good and now look I suppose the, the you know we, we, uh, you probably don't either but I don't know too much about the gym like uh, but you know another thing can happen Hopefully it just doesn't happen, but you can just you're just another guy in the gym. You're not like, you know, with Chris Fields, he was the 
you know, the guy, you know, the guy in the gym that everybody had the, had the hopes for. And obviously, you know, everybody in this gym is, is, has high hopes and has high, uh, high ceilings. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it, like maybe that could play against them, but you know, <laughs> it'll all come out in the end. It'll all, we'll, we'll see what happens in the end, but, uh, I have a feeling it's going to be a, it's going to be a good move, you know, yeah. uh, uh, we'll soon see and then MMA there's, there's no hiding place you know you're either you know there's no place to hide you either you either win or you lose and you, yeah. you're judging on your, win and lo- your wins and losses and if Ian can you know keep winning people will forget all about all this drama and it'll just be a, a footnote in in his career so obviously that's what that's what he's wanting to do here but yeah I, um, it's probably hard for the Chris Fields and Tom King and all those guys to, to see him move on but you know by the same to things, this was a this was an ongoing kind of problem that maybe came to a head, and maybe was always going to come to a head. So um, maybe you know it's better do it now than than in the future. Yeah, look, I think the best case scenario would have been if uh, you know if he could have stayed with Team KF and traveled over to America, trained for a few months, and then when he's back in Ireland, train here, and, you know, go back and forth between the two gyms. That would have been the best-case scenario, but, you know, obviously that's that's not going to not gonna happen now. But I think, you know, your point there about Ian Gary or, or anyone maybe falling into maybe the background in, in a gym with so many big names, I, you know, I haven't spoken to Ian Gary and known him for a few years now. I think it's very unlikely that he kind of falls into the background anywhere he goes, to be honest. He's not one of those characters. Um, and I think, look, they'll see it as well. I, I think a lot of people know him now. And if Henry, Henry Hoof is Henry Hoof is the striking coach uh, here, um, and Greg Jones as well, the, the famed wrestling coach. Um, and I, I think he was an, if I'm not mistaken, he was he an Olympic gold medalist, but he's a very, very, very high level wrestler himself. Anyway, um, those lads are are going, you know, going to set Ian Gary straight in terms of what he needs to do tactically and technically. And if they, they will know what he is and how good he is. And like, if if you're in a gym as well like this, right? Let, with, with all due respect to to you know the Irish MMA gyms and all of them, like it's very rare that they're going to have four or five like top fighters there's some very very good fighters but it's very rare they're going to have that many like ranked fighters not that far away from a belt like if, if you look at at, uh, at this gym uh, like the, the names I called out Derek Brunson if he wins in a couple of weeks time he's probably going to be fighting for the belt you know Rory McDonald was what one fight away from fighting for the PFL million dollar thing Vicente Luca is not that far away Gilbert Burns just fought for the belt you know so uh, J- Jason Jackson probably one fight away from fighting for the belt Darian Caldwell has fought for belts numerous times you know so they're used to having loads of fighters and they're used to getting new guys in and making them into you know top fighters and if Ian Gary's good enough you know and, and that's the thing as well right if if Ian Gary or anyone else comes into a gym like this and they have the ability or they're going to get to the championship level or the, the top ranked level they will they'll stand out you know they will stand out they will they'll be forced to stand out. And if they don't stand out, they won't be that ranked fighter. They won't be that champion. That's just the matter of factness of it. Like, the MMA is a very cutthroat business, and it's a very... Uh, but it's also a very kind of true business. And if you, you see the reality of it, and the reality of it will show itself in fights and in the gym and things like that, uh, so there's there's no hiding place. And, you know, a lot of people as well, uh, you know, we 
we've talked about the Ian Gary situation, leaving the gym and everything like that. And there's been a lot of things said about him and, you know, his girlfriend and different things like that. And obviously after the interview I did with him. And look, I spoke about him after the interview as well. And look, I I have no beef with Ian or Layla or any of them that, that at all. If people think that, I, I, in fact, I'd say quite the opposite, to be honest. Um... But, like, there was things thrown around this week on different podcasts and stuff like that, you know, making different accusations about Layla and all these things like that. Now, I, I just think that's, that's wrong, to be honest. Like, you can have your opinion or whatever else like that, but to be saying things like that, I think, is, is very, very bad. And she came out and she said something, and, you know, Ian has stayed very quiet about all of this, and you can say what you want to, about him, but there's been a lot of drama going around, and he said almost nothing, you know. He released a statement uh, about the whole, you know, the, the gym split up and everything like that, and... Uh, I I just think look I, no matter whose side you you would take on this I think Ian has handled it very well he's said v- almost nothing he's you know he's went out and he won his fighting cage wires and he's moved to one of the top gyms in the world well you know? well he put out a statement saying that they kind of abandoned him right before his world title fight which wasn't but like oh, what did well, what did they say about him they called him uncoachable and loads of different things like this like it that's yeah that's but he came out first and said that said that you know. Uh, mm-hmm. He kind of broke the the silence on that, like publicly. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and obviously there was emotions, and everybody was upset, and you know it was high tension. There's obviously a huge fight coming up uh, the week later or whatever. So it's understandable that when like a relationship, even a coach team fighter relationship breaks up, that everybody's like you know maybe not as level headed as they normally are. Yeah, a hundred percent. And there's look, there's going to be things said, but he has he has said very little. And I look that that you know the one he released and the one team kf released look we know when they said it they're both you know they're both talking from their side and they're both saying what they believe and it, it was always going to come to a head after it kind of came to a head i suppose but i think the the way Ian gary has handled it directly after that you know and with all the things that have been thrown out there and all the rumors going around like the rumors are always going to go and look i uh, the, i interviewed him and i said it to him and i'm probably the only one who <laughs> said it to him i was straight on an interview about it listen asked him about it no he didn't want to speak about it which is absolutely his prerogative fair enough uh no absolutely no problem with that but you know it's uh it, it's a tough time look it's a, and it's a tough time for chris fields and his gym as well or around you know the breakup and everything like that but uh, they, look, they've handled it as well as well. I think they've kind of moved on from it. I saw him putting up a thing today about Takamandu and um, and um, Conor Lewinowski having big fights coming up as well. So they're moving on. You know, Ian Gary's moving on. And I think, you know, it, it's it's great for Irish MMA that someone like Ian Gary is in the UFC and is at a great gym. And I think it's great for Irish MMA as well that there's a very good gym like Team KF with, you know, Tom King and Chris Fields who are fantastic coaches going around. And look, if they could have been together and doing it together, even better. It's a pity, but you know let's let's i think it's maybe not time to completely move on from it but i think it is time to move on and and look uh look to the future more than anything else and um you know yeah i'm looking look i'm looking forward to seeing Ian gary in in the in the ufc obviously had an injury coming out from the last fight or coming into the last fight and hopefully that's cleared up now and he won't be too far away from making the uh the adjustments but i think you know we talked about it as well directly after um after Cage was fighting when he signed for the UFC pretty quickly and we talked about maybe not rushing into it and now it's been a few months and stuff so I don't think he has like rushed immediately into a fight or taken a short notice fight or anything like that he's in his gym now if he does get a fight it's probably going to be you know a couple of months down the line so we will have you know that three four months or whatever it might be in the gym to get used to his trainers and everything like that and I, I think that's good what, what do you think about that like do you, you know 
I think it is tantamount isn't it? and it is a big thing to have that time in the gym to trust your coaches before maybe you take that fight and, and take that big step into the UFC oh definitely you want to get comfortable with your with your coaches that they want to get comfortable and kind of knowing where you're strong where you're less strong you know uh, to be able to advise you properly and to be able to game plan for you properly it's definitely important um it's good he hasn't rushed in i don't know how long he's actually been over there so far is it been what a few weeks um, a month but two two three weeks i'd say yeah he was at the pi for a while as well and then yeah. he went he went there so he's been there for a few weeks yeah yeah, so like you know, if he was to get a fight scheduled next month, it would probably be fighting in three months' time. So uh, yeah, I think you know uh, maybe you know if he fought at the end of the year, that would be that would be enough time. Um, it's hard to know. Like you know, uh, maybe he'll take a little bit of time to settle in to get normal. But you know, he's kind of a a young guy. He's probably enjoying seeing seeing the world. You know, being in a new place. Uh, Florida is probably. <laughs> a lot more the weather's better than here he's probably enjoying it over there so yeah it'll probably uh like mentally give him a new lease of life you know having all this this stuff off his mind uh, all these troubles with his with his old gym um so yeah i think you know a fight at the end of the year would probably be about right yeah yeah i'm looking look i'm looking forward to it and i i can't wait um right let's let's move on to talk about some of the uh the fights um uh, Invicta had a fight night on Friday night, uh, getting back to it, their pay-per-view and all, I'm sure myself and Ian will cover that more uh, on the Chasing Pack, I think we'll probably have an episode coming up this week, or, or if not, in the next week, uh, also there's a nice case finish though, week. nice yeah. finish in the main event, Beautiful. Uh, while, while, while she was shutting down like a robot, she got kicked in the head as well, so uh, yeah, that was pretty That was pretty vicious. Yeah, very good, and it's good to see Invicta back, you know, obviously that was Emily Dakota against uh, Danielle Taylor uh, to win the uh, 150 Fifteen pound title and the hundred thirty-five pound title was well won as well by uh, Tanisha Tennant over Lisa Verosa. Uh, so uh, Katie Saul as well, who's obviously training in SPG Ireland, was on this card and lost the split decision. I believe that one was very close. Uh, Serena J- Jesus as well, who gave a great interview with Ian this week. If anyone hasn't uh, listened to it yet, it's it's very good. Um, you know, she talks about her struggles outside of the cage and her struggles with autism and things like that as well. And you know. Um, Ian did a phenomenal job in that interview and you know she's training with Roxanne Mataferi and over with uh, with John Wood and Syndicate MMA and uh, Jojo Calder and things and she put on a I saw some of that fight last night she did put on a phenomenal performance uh, against Lauren Muller who you know is came into that fight with, with eight fights and a lot of experience as well so um yeah, uh, that's uh, it, it. was a pretty good card, up and up and down from the the bits I saw, and I must go back and and uh, and check out all of it. But uh, good to see Invicta back, and obviously as you mentioned, Graham, a, a very very good knockout there. It was also a very good knockout to start the PFL card uh, last night. Uh, the switch flying knee by Brandon Jenkins over uh, Jacob Kilburn. It was uh, if you haven't seen that one, it's over on Twitter. Very good. And then there was lots of decisions. Uh, Flores, Moffat, Dizzy, um, and Kamosi all won by decision. Um, then Shaman Morais had a very very fun fight against Lazar Stopdojevic, uh, whose name I pronounced perfectly there. Um, and he was down in the start of that fight, but came back and landed a big overhand right and and strikes to finish that fight for so a good win there for Shaman Morais. And then honestly, it was one of the most scandalous things I've ever seen in my life. PFL started at three a.m. three a.m. main card right. Well, I, I I don't think you were up watching it last night, Greg. Have you heard about this? Guess what time the first fight happened? It was a three a.m. main card. Guess what time the first fight happened? Four fifteen. 
3.59am. <laughs> See, I ruined it for you. I you ruined did, you it ruined it. A 59 minute delay. I honestly, I've never been as mad in my life. And then it actually ended up with me falling asleep in the middle of fucking Antonio Carlos Jr. versus Emiliano Sardi. But I went back and watched the, the, the call man I'm in. Also, the, the first fight, Martin Hamlin versus, uh, Hamlet even, versus um, uh, Cesar Mochancha for here. Fahea pulled his hamstring after how long was it? Thirteen seconds into the fight, so they had an hour long yeah, delay. Exchange leg kick or exchange body kicks, was it? And yeah, and just pulled, pulled his hamstring, hamstring straight away. That that's a hundred percent down to the delay. And I know I had Chris Chris Camozzi was coming out saying, "Oh, he, he looked like his leg was injured yesterday." But even if his leg was injured yesterday. Uh, you know, I'm sure he was carrying leg, and lots of people carry injuries into it. And you know, th- it definitely matters the fact that the leg was already injured. But would l- let's say if he could have gotten through two or three minutes with the leg not being injured and taken him down and maybe submitted him or something, was it would that be possible? I think it probably would be. You know, we saw it with McGregor; he was able to get through in around and a half or whatever it was. Um, uh, you know, with the uh, leg injury, and you know, it's succumbed to it in the end. But the fact that it was um, uh, an hour of a delay. You know, getting cold and everything like that. This is just not going to help him either way. And if he was fully fit, it could have happened as well. We hear athletes talk about it all the time. To be not properly warmed up is like one of the worst things you can do. It always leads to, uh, to injuries like this, to uh, to muscle injuries. So PFL, for anyone watching, for anyone waiting for this, it was disgraceful. And for the fighters as well, more so, it was absolutely horrific. Like... Okay, they're on ESPN, but they're also on ESPN Plus. Why not just put it in the middle of the game? It's now, um, it's now streaming on ESPN Plus. We will go live to PFL the second this game is over. Put on the first fucking fight, stream it, and then the the next fight have yeah, it on. It's not the like TV. the first. It's not like the first fight is some huge fight no. that people are gagging for, and you don't want them. People don't want to miss. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. just. Another fight. Yeah, it was it was disgraceful. Uh, then Antonio Carlos Jr. won the uh, uh, unanimous decision over Emiliano Sardi, and Chris Wade won over Bubba Jenkins. That was some battle. I went back and watched it this morning. It was a lot of wrestling and a lot of submission attempts and, and things and that. Uh, and uh, I, I thought Wade was was probably the winner. I didn't watch it in in complete. Uh, I was kind of rushing through it a little bit, so I didn't watch it in complete. But it, he did get a lot of uh, a lot of offense in at times and a lot of uh, a lot of submission attempts. And it was one of those ones. Where when I say a lot of offense, I mean a lot of offense at kind of certain times, uh, and it's one of those fights where when there is a lot of wrestling, that matters. And I think uh, himself and, and Bobby Jenkins have a bit of a rivalry going, and, and uh, fair play to them for winning that. Uh, but the main event, okay, I'll, have you did you watch the main event, Graham? Yeah, Kabbalah versus yeah. Lachlan. How did you score it? Yeah. Um. See the the first round. Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I, it's a really tough one to score, and then the second is is Kabalayev and the, the third is Lachnain. I think so. I think it all comes down to the first. I scored a thirty twenty seven Lachnain. To be honest, I I thought he won every round handily enough. I, I was like. Maybe not handy enough. That, that's wrong. But in well, the, the third round, round, he landed that big uppercut, yeah. stunned him, busted up on his, his nose, and I think there was a, a lot of kind of clinching, but no real take proper takedown with with impact strikes or anything like that. So I think that round is lock nine. But the second, 
I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly what happened in the second. Uh, nothing really much happened. The, I think the maybe round was where Lachlan was, was more volume from Gabalev, or maybe more accuracy from from Lachlan. Yeah, and then there was like a takedown, like with a minute and a half left or something like that, and Kabalayev did absolutely nothing with it. Like I thought the first round, Kabalayev took him down right from a kick from Lachlan, and Lachlan just boxed the ears off him from the ground. Like Kabalayev was landing some body punches, and if you look at the numbers on screen, it was like fifty four to forty. 44 in in, in oh, just them, them on screen numbers though they're a nightmare that's don't. what i'm saying right so it was 54 to 44 all of 54 of habalaya's punches if it may be fucking 40 of them they were like little body punches you know the boom boom and try to hit the head two body punches and you're missing the head whereas Lachnan is like fucking just boxing the ears off him from the, the ground i like I 100%, without a shadow of a doubt, think Lachnan won that first round. Like, without... And I, I watched this this morning. I, the first thing I did, you rang me, Graham, so you would be able to attest it to this and woke me up. And I was like, oh, shit, I haven't seen the fight. I went straight on and watched the Chris Wade fight and the Lachnan fight. I hadn't seen the result. I didn't hear the result until it was announced after the fight. So I didn't know... I, I have no dog in this fight or anything like that. But, like, I just think Lachnan won that fight clearly off of his back. Kabbalayev did some good work late, and I think he did some good work late in the second as well. The, the second was closer, without a shadow of a doubt, because he did land some very, very good stuff late. Uh, but I thought Lachnan's work on the feet was just, was enough to win that round, to be honest. I, I just thought he he w- was cleaner. It was one of those fights, I was watching it live, and I was hearing, you know, I was hearing the commentary, and the commentary was god-awful on this. And I, I like uh, Sean O'Connell, I think he's very good, but he gets into this stupid shit, and, and he doesn't understand the scoring. Um... And as well, the issue with the judges at PFL is it's in, I think it's in New Jersey, isn't it? And they had like this bubble and they have all these local judges who are not the top judges in the world. I firmly believe if you had the likes of, you know, Sal Diamato, Eric Cologne and things like this, I think Lockdown would have won this fight. Honestly, I think it's one of those fights where at the end they call it a split decision and Sean O'Connell on the thing is like, oh my God, I can't believe it. I won't even say my opinion on that. And I'm like, it's a wrong decision. I think I really think it is. Like the third round, you said Lachnan landed a big shot. I don't think many people are debating the third round. I think Lachnan definitely won that. Although it wasn't. Yeah, I think the second ever. one, the second round was, you know, the the one that you could that I would have given to Kabalev. But maybe I need to go back and watch it with a finer kind of judging eye, like you do. Um, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. It was a very close fight. Like either way, like you know, obviously. Um, uh, the way the commentators were going on, you you, you you thought it would be like fucking thirty twenty four or something. Yeah. But <laughs> but uh, yeah, maybe in uh, you know in in the old scoring, maybe Kabalev would have won this with just with wrestling. But nowadays, you know, uh, it's it's a tough one. I I need to go back and watch it with a with a with a finer eye. But you know, obviously, you're the you're the resident judging expert here. The resident legend is what I am. Let's, let's be honest here, but uh. Yeah, look, I, I I wouldn't call it a robbery per se, but like that, I do. I a hundred percent think he won the first round. I like, I th- I think he won the second round, although it was close. And it, look, the third round, I think he won the third round as well. But it, maybe it wasn't as clean as as I don't know. It, it, I thought his third round was was cleaner than his first round. I don't no. know that first round. It was if you go like strike for strike in numbers, 
you know, it's close. But the um, the damage that was done with his strike, it's just because he's on the bottom. It literally, it's literally just because he's on the bottom. And it, that should make absolutely no difference whatsoever. It's like, I'm looking at the front of MMA fighting here. It's like, uh, Kabbalah grinds out Brendan Lachnan. You shouldn't be able to fucking grind someone out to win. It should be the strikes landed and the submissions gone for and things like that. Uh, it, it was just one of those fights where I was watching and I fucking knew... Where did you know? I knew that the judges doing this, and I knew where we were, and I knew the commentary, and knew everyone talking about it. It's one of these ones where people should be mad at this decision, or really talking about decision. And I guarantee you, I'm the only one. Everyone listening to this podcast, you'll probably listen to fucking ten other podcasts this week as well. And I guarantee you, no one else will bring up this decision as a controversial decision. But and I don't even think Brendan Lachlan probably thinks it's a controversial decision to be honest. But I fucking do. I really do think this is a controversial decision. Have, and, you, have uh, you spoken? Maybe maybe you could reach out. To- one of uh, your, I your did. judging union and friends I did and uh, they actually haven't seen the fight yet so maybe I'll be able to uh, I, I reached out to two different lads and they haven't seen the fight yet so uh, it was so fucking late last night I couldn't I wouldn't bl- uh, blame them so uh, yeah we, I, I'll maybe see later in, uh, later in the week but uh, yeah look um, Habalive goes on to the final anyway and he'll be meeting Chris Wade so that should be a bit of a battle as well two wrestlers there uh, and Hamlet versus uh, Antonio Carlos Jr. So yeah, it's uh, the, the, this is the big issue as well with PFL. Like we talked about it last week, all their big names are nearly gone now, apart from Kelly Harrison. You know these these playoffs have really not been good for PFL whatsoever. It's been a it's been a bit of a shit show to be honest in terms of like losing their biggest talent. And last night, last night was maybe the biggest shit show of uh, an event I've seen out of a top promotion in a long time. In a long time, the production and all of that was just horrible, just awful. So, yeah, PFL, I, and I've given lots of comments I don't know. this season. I, uh, I didn't watch the the event live, but uh, oh, yeah. like over the last couple of years, I think they've they've done a better job since they kind of rebranded and stuff like that. I do but, too, but I don't think last night was great. Yeah, yeah, it was bad. Um, right, so coming up, I, I will throw it over to myself in a second. And I'll talk about the the UFC card, uh, but coming up next week. Um, I'm gonna have Sean. He's the party. Oh well, we'll talk about that in a second. I'll have I gotta have Sean Dini on to talk about KSW, but there's a very good KSW card uh, coming up. Uh, Roberto Soldich in the main event fighting for 170 pound title uh, against Patrick Klinch. Uh, Anton Rakic is on this card as well. Damian Janikowski against Pavel Pavlak. That is a real. This this card is is fantastic. Um, Dario Stosic as well as on the, this is a really 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 stacked KSW card, uh, and it's coming up on the fourth of September. So that's next Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so I'm really really looking forward to that, and I'd, I'd be tuning into that one if I can. But I will have Sean Dini on the, to talk more about that one. There's a one FC card as well coming up uh, next Friday night. Uh, the women's 125 pound title is up for grabs there as well. Is this all women's fights? It looks like it is. It looks like it's all. Oh no, there's a few men's fights, but there's like one, two, three, four, five women's fights. Uh, and this maybe there's a maybe this is a Grand Prix or something. There are four of them are 115 uh, pound fights. So yeah, that should be uh, interesting to tune into. And there's uh, there's uh, it's a whole card of women's fights. Like no, it is. It's a whole card of women's fights. Actually, sorry, I was I was looking at the name there. I was Daniel. It's actually Daniela. So yeah, it's uh it's all women's. So that's a uh, that's fun. Let, let's see how uh, let's see how they get on with that. It's called one championship in power. So that's uh, that's fun. Let's see how they get on um and then the Bell- uh, bellator don't have a card next week today let me just look here yeah no bellator don't have a card next week but the ufc have ufc london circa 
uh, <laughs> circa fucking Las Vegas as uh, you know David Zawada versus Alex Morona good fight Jack Shore is on the card you see Liverpool you mean <laughs> you see Liverpool yeah uh, you know there's there's lots of the guys from this side and, and Molly McCann as well is on this card Khalil Rounchi against Modestus Bukowskis um Paddy Debatty against Luigi Vandarimi, Tom Aspinall, yeah. Sergio Pagovic. His old rival as well, Julian Arosa is on the card as yeah, well. Yeah, that's against, interesting. Uh, Charles Jordan. I think if uh, if Arosa wins that, I wonder will he call out Paddy Fimblet again? That could be very very interesting because I like I think a lot of people around this side of the world maybe would love to see uh, love to see that fight again. I know Julian's fighting down at one forty five, although it says this is a one fifty pound uh, catchweight, which is odd, but I'm sure he'd be happy enough to go up to one fifty five. I think it's a Paddy. short notice. Uh, some yeah. spot. I can't remember exactly. Uh, let me just look here. Jordan was supposed to fight Leron Murphy, yeah. So that's that's a big pity as well. I think Leron Murphy is probably one of the most underrated guys on uh, you know on this and in the whole you see Paul Craig was supposed to fight Alexander Gustafsson as well, but that fell out of this card very unfortunately. But um, before we get to Paddy, what from the undercard sticks out to you? Like Jack Short to me sticks out. He's fourteen and zero in his career now. Uh, he's he's fighting uh, you know he's fighting a good tough guy with a nine one and one record. He's a guy from, yeah. you know, who could make waves, isn't he? Yeah, I think he is. Like, uh, you know, obviously, uh, don't know too much about his opponent, but uh, I think, like, you know, it's it's not too difficult of a, of a fight. You know, we've seen some very difficult uh, fights for, for local guys uh, in the UFC early on. Um, obviously, Molly McCann as well. Um, I think... Uh, you know that's a, that's a tough fight. It could go either way. It's probably going to be a close decision. Um, obviously, Paddy, Paddy, Paddy will talk about um, Ariana Lipsky against Manda Baum is another one on the on the main is card. She, that's a that's a pick em. Is Mandy Baum is she in uh, SPG or oh my god, man, she was there for a while, wasn't she? Yeah, I'm not sure if she's still there, but I believe she was there. I'm I'm, I'm not too sure about that. But um, if she wins, yeah, we call her Irish. So you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> depending on your success. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh no uh this is a pretty good card like you know I'm mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested in the in the main event the co-main event is definitely um I'm very interested to see Tom Aspinall and I think this is a this is a good test at a, at a good time obviously Paddy the Body is is uh kind of one we've been waiting for to see in the UFC and um yeah like it may not be the, the most stacked card for for names for for casual fans but uh, it's one I'm looking forward to yeah, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about about Paddy Pimlet. You know, he's fighting Luigi Vanderimi, uh, who you know has had what three UFC fights now at this stage, and he's gone one and two. I think this is a good way to maybe start off Paddy's career. You know, against someone who has out of those nine wins, he has five uh, knockouts and and, uh, and four submissions. Uh, you know, kind of a, a guy who is who is well rounded, but. I think it's a, look. It's a sort of test for Paddy Pimblet that I think is about as fair a test as you could get in the UFC, as a lot of these big name fighters, as you kind of alluded to there, with Jack Shore a second ago, have been getting coming in. You know, have obviously Reese McKee and other yeah. lads have gotten very, very. Tough. Somebody you could imagine if he had been cut from from UFC after his last loss, that yeah, Paddy could have fought in cage work. Exactly, exactly, hundred percent. So I think it's a very good matchmaking, and I think it's it's a good uh, good debut for Paddy. Like. I think the thing with Paddy is he has had he hasn't had the greatest time of it over the last couple of years. You know he's he's only had he fought Davidian Martinez 
2021. He fought Dickie Dalton, obviously, after a string of pullouts and different things uh, in 2020. And before that, you know, he had the loss to Sodden back, back, uh, back in 2018. So it was, you know, it came up on nearly two years between fights there for Paddy at one stage. After he had lost the title in 2017 to, to Nad Naramani. After that close fight for Julian Arosa. So, like, it, it feels like the Julian Arosa fight was, you know, it was all the way back in 2016, five years ago. And it feels like five years ago. And Paddy's only had, what, one, two, three, four, five fights in those five years since that. It's not a lot. It really isn't a lot. And what... What we haven't seen from Paddy is those last two fights in the last three years against Decky Dalton. You know, we, we we know what happened in that. Obviously, Irish MMA fans, uh, it was only two minutes and kind of 51 seconds. Decky kind of fell at the start of that and, and Paddy did a great job of finishing him off. And the Davina Martinez fight only lasted 97 seconds. So we haven't seen much of Paddy. You know, has Paddy improved an awful lot? Has his hands improved? Has his defensive ability on the feet improved? We don't know. You'd like to has, he, has. Has he been in IB there? Has he been in the gym? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I'm look. I'm sure you know Paddy talks a lot, and I'm sure if he, he heard that and he heard you saying that, he'd probably go mad at you. But I think that is the case, and he's even talked about that himself before. You know about staying off the Chinese's and the Ferrero Rochers and stuff. And I know what to talk now. But you know, uh, I'm also not especially when you, but, as you said, when you're an active and you don't have yeah. a, a camp, you don't have a set goal in the near future. You know, obviously you have goals, but you don't have a you know a, a fight to build up to so yeah so like you know um the devil makes work for idle hands as he said indeed is that is that like a line from a fucking uh morrissey song or something like it's like that's like something now you would bring out in here in the middle of this podcast no yeah it actually is but i was actually thinking of it that is fantastic i did i hate morrissey's no good he's fucking irish blood english actually it's it's something similar to that in the morrissey song but it's not actually that but it's a play on that i think yeah fair enough uh, but yeah, look, I'm look, really looking forward to seeing Paddy. And like, Paddy is at the stage now where if we see the Paddy from a few years ago, I, I look, and I'm being very harsh, I don't think he's good enough to succeed in the UFC. I really don't. But if we see Paddy with an extra 10 to 15% added to that, improvements in all areas, he absolutely could be. He was, like, Paddy has always been a top prospect, but he's never made that move. And, uh, and it, I'm not saying that he hasn't made the move uh, in his ability, but he's never shown that... Uh, move on in ability in the cage and look that was down to him winning his last two fights so quickly so i'm not it's not a criticism here but it's something we just haven't seen yet this will be a fight i think i I, actually maybe we won't see it in this fight but over his next three or four fights we need to see it and if we do see it you know sky's the limit for paddy but it remains to be seen whether it exists or not but um yeah i think a lot of people know he's been um talked about with uh, online with conor mcgregor and different people um I wouldn't be making those comparisons yet. You know, he's a very good talker, a very good outside of the cage at times, you know, and things like that. But um, I think uh, I think there's a few big fights coming up here for Paddy, and I think uh, I think he he's a lot to prove over the next few fights for people who kind of been watching Paddy with a fine tooth comb over over the last while. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it happening. As you mentioned, that Aspinall Pavlovich fight. That's a it's a big fight for Tom Aspinall. You know, Pavlovich 14 and one in his career is a, a few good wins. You know, he got he got a big Alistair Overeem fight there a, a couple of years ago, and uh, you know he okay he beat Maurice Green and and Marcelo Holm after that as well. But Aspinall, you know, we we talked about him 
happened last time, and when you beat Andrew Arlovsky, I suppose it's it's tough to get good matchmaking after that. But I think this I think this fight makes a lot of sense. It's a tough fight, don't get me wrong, but I was kind of worried that he would be pushed into that next level again and maybe get someone like, you know, maybe maybe a Derek Lewis or even a Seal Gagne before, you know, he obviously got the title fight and things like that. But this is a good move, I think, and it, it's a tough fight. He might I'm not saying he's, you know, guaranteed to win the fight or anything like that, but um it's a fight that moves Aspinall on, and I think that's uh, that's exactly what it needs. It's, it's a fun one, isn't it? Yeah, it's not moving him on too quickly. It's 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 about the right fight, I think, and it's one he should win, but it's one that he probably be tested in. So, um, you know, if he's going to be the kind of fighter that a lot of people, uh, the prospect that a lot of people think he think he is, then you know, it's a fight he's got to win. But uh, yeah, I, I expect him to win it, but I expect uh, you know. It not 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 to have it all his own way, and I think that's that's the way it should be. And it's good to see maybe because we criticised uh, the the matchmakers in the past for kind of just throwing people together. So you kind of credit where credit's due. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, so, and credit to you. Yeah, you must be you must yeah. be a secret uh, Smith or Marcy fan because uh, he does say uh, the devil will find work for idle hands to do. And, yeah, well, so I think you've I think you've I think you've been out of your 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 secret <laughs> no, closet, uh, Marcy fan. I, I think you've just rubbed off on me with your fucking love of Marcy. Fucking depressing. You don't want to be in like a dark room, <laughs> just like crying like into a wall or something. Listen to that lad. He's fucking Jesus Christ. Too real for you, Sean. Too real for you. <laughs> too real it is. Uh, speaking of too real, Darren Till is in the main event of this against uh, Derek Brunson. You know, we talked about Paddy, and uh, you know Ariel is always kind of you know joking with with. Darren Till and Paddy and stuff about uh, Paddy being the real draw in Liverpool, but yeah, he, you know he is. There's there's no two ways about that. That Paddy Pimlet is definitely a bigger draw in Liverpool than Darren Till is. Without a shadow of it, out. Yeah, but just because Till wasn't kind of you know there, yeah. associated with yeah. UK MMA at all. Never mind Liverpool MMA for a lot of years. Like the UK media didn't even mention him and uh, barely mentioned yeah. him until he was in the UFC. Mm-hmm. He kind of flew under the radar completely, so he hadn't built up that... Like, Paddy's been around a long time fighting on Cage Warriors, and people have been following his journey, and that's important to people. People get attached to the people. Obviously, people are a big fan of Dan Darren Hill as well, like the stuff he's done in the UFC and, and his talk and all of that stuff. But, you know, people have been following Paddy for a long, long time. Yeah, I, like, I remember I wrote the article... I think it was three years ago now at this stage when um, when Wonderboy fought Till and I wrote about you know Liverpool were in the Champions League final the same night and I wrote an article about Liverpool funnily enough and I said you know I'm, I said it like oh, Darren Dill might be a big draw here but he's not the biggest draw in Liverpool and I think that that probably still stands but however I think Darren Till has had like similar issues to Paddy over the last while with you know injuries and fights being cancelled and look at his topology here Derek Brunson fight cancelled, Marvin Vittori fight cancelled, Jack Romanson fight cancelled, Robert Whitaker fight cancelled, um, which is, you know, a, a lot of fights. Actually, how was a Robert Whitaker fight cancelled a month after he fought Robert Whitaker? That can't be right, can it? Or was it a month before? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's, uh, maybe that's a bit... I, I'm not sure how that happened. But anyway, um, you know, he's, he's only won once. In the last four fights, and with all those cancellations, well, this is a big yeah, fight. And that was a split decision over Gasolum, and Gasolum hasn't looked, yeah, looked great. You know right. what I mean? So, week, yeah, yeah, like obviously his win over Stephen Thompson was very controversial, in my, in my opinion. So, like you know, lo- looking at his last kind of, you know, looking at his record, it's there isn't as many kind of big wins as people might expect there. Yeah, there. After that Cerrone fight, I think it was at the time when beating Cerrone kind of pushed you on and then when you be wonder by after 
I think everyone's we, we spoke at the time and I think a lot of people spoke that it was maybe a little bit too quickly for Darren Till to be pushed at that time especially into where Woodley was you know then as well and Woodley has a big fight coming up uh, on uh, Sunday night as well like it's uh, your, your boy Jake Paul Bout yeah was it even about but um, yeah look it's a big fight for Till because what's it all about, about? Oh, what's it all about uh, if he doesn't if he doesn't win this he's he's down on those rankings And but the, the one thing that Till has for him is that Adesanya seems to really want to fight him um, um, and I think if he gets a win here, he could bypass a lot of guys and get into it. But Brunson won't be easy. You know, Brunson, I think, he's made a lot of uh, adjustments and uh, has uh, has upped his game. And, you know, we mentioned Sanford MMA earlier on. And uh, he's training there, if I'm not mistaken. You know, beat Kevin Holland down in his last fight. Destroyed Edmund Shabazian. Beat Ian Heinish. Beat Elias Teodoro, you know, after losing to Adesanya back in 2018. So it's been a real uh, come up in the career of Derek Brunson again. A lot of people saw him as maybe that gatekeeper to the top 15 and now he's probably the gatekeeper to the to the top five and look if he wins this he's a, he's probably maybe one fight away from a title fight or maybe not even that so um this is a huge fight for him and over five rounds like over three rounds i, I think i i think this is a maybe a different fight i think it will be I think it would favour Derek Brunson a lot more over three rounds because he is one of those guys who, when he comes out and he lets loose, he's a very, very dangerous fighter. But I feel like if it gets into a more controlled pace and he's thinking about the five rounds, yeah. I think that could suit the leg locks. The, the, or sorry, the leg kicks will probably build up from Darren Hill. Like I expect that to be a, to be a game plan or mm. part of the game plan for Darren Hill. And over three rounds, you, you know, it's not as money in the bank as as. As over five rounds, you know, uh, definitely limit your movement and, um, yeah. But uh, there's a lot of questions around there until obviously you mentioned all the all the cancel cancel fights. Like, uh, this is a really tough one to call. This this one can go either way. I think this yeah. is this is either this is whoever whoever performs in the night. Do you know what I think is weird? I think I think the slower pace will favor till over five rounds. But I actually don't know if the five rounds will favor till. If it was a slower pace over three rounds, maybe it'd favor till. But if it was three rounds, the pace would be higher. So it's one of those it's one of those catch twenty two situations. I think I think this will be a close round, a very very close fight for maybe the first three rounds and maybe Darren Till might have enough to outpoint him over three rounds. I think Brunson will come on in the fourth and the fifth. Um if it goes that far, but yeah, I, I, with Brunson, he's one of those guys where if this was a couple of years ago, my my talk about this fight will probably be he's going to come out, he's going to throw a lot of shots and either maybe knock him out or get tired and caught by Till and maybe pushed against the cage and land a few big shots and maybe get TKO'd or something like that. I think he will be a little bit slower in this and um, slower is not the right word, but you know what I mean? More um, think about the fight more and maybe more tactical, is, I suppose is the word. I don't know if being more tactical against Darren Till is the way forward, but yeah, I think... If my if I was to predict this, I think it'll probably be a close decision, to be honest. Um, but I think a lot of things can change, especially in the mid part of this fight, and especially with the pace. It depends. I think the pace it is. If if Brunson comes out and he does isn't fighting a five round pace, I think he'll probably win. But if he does fight a five round pace, I think it'll be a closer fight. But you know, I I find it very, I don't know. I really don't know who's gonna win this fight. Just leaning Brunson, I think. But who knows? Who knows? Um. Right, we will uh, we will leave it there, so Graham for uh, for a second, and I will throw it over to the beautiful, magnificent, uh, you know, just a legend, just a, an absolute legend, Sean Sheehan, to take us through the uh, UFC card between uh, Ilson Barboza and Jiga Chikadze. Take it away, Shani. 
Well, thank you, Shani, very much. I appreciate that. Good man, fair play. I'm going to go from the bottom of the card to the top uh, here, so on, and have a quick uh, talk about it. It was a pretty, look, it was an eventful card, obviously, with uh, nothing much that stood out or battered, apart from maybe the, the top fight and the top fights. Um, Manon Martinez started off the card by beating uh, Guido Canetti by a split decision close one there as well. Uh, Pat Sabatini got a lovely submission with a heel hook over Jamal Emmers. Emmers was going for uh, the uh, the toe hold, but didn't manage to get it. And Sabatini is just—he was kind of on a different level. A lot of people were talking about his jujitsu, how how good it was. Um, you know, if you remember Emmers, his last fight, he was supposed to be uh, fighting. Uh, oh God, the name escapes me now. But uh, whatever happened, he's a he's a born and got into the cage, and then he pulled. Uh, uh, he pulled a muscle in his back uh, on the way in or in the in the back coming in. So it was very unfortunate. He got a bad injury and he was out for about six or seven weeks, I think, with that. And now he's probably going to be out for another while as well because his knee looked pretty bad uh, after this. So that's unfortunate for Emers, but a good win for Pat Sabatini. I want to stand out performances for me on the night was JJ Aldrich. Uh, she had a very good performance against Vanessa uh, Dimopoulos, who came in uh, on short notice, but she had a fight, I, th- I think it was in LFA uh, this weekend, and she's fought some good opponents. But I think it was uh, Spencer Kite was talking about how she's lost to a lot of them. But uh, to me, she was very game. Um, she tried her, her damnedest throughout the fight, but Aldrich's jab and her technique just kind of shone through, and I think she's always kind of been that fighter up at 125 pounds now, um, I'm not sure that's the, the best place for her to be, to be honest, I don't think she is the biggest 115 pounder in the world, I thought maybe she might go the other way, even if it was possible, but, um, you know, with that, that technique and, and, uh, her, you know, improved defensive ability, you know, she's, she could, uh, pose a lot of problems for a lot of people there, um, Speaking of defensive ability, Darren Stewart uh, didn't show much of that, I suppose, against uh, Dustin Jacoby, who put on a good performance. Uh, Stewart came in and tried to take him down immediately and did uh, once or twice off of a few attempts. Uh, but Jacoby kept, you know, kept the pace and kept getting back up. Um, he, you know, he didn't landed some very, very big shots and had Stuart Horton. Uh, I think it was Jason Herzog was the referee here and he gave him a couple of chances, but uh, there was nothing to be done and Stuart was finishing. It was a great stoppage uh, in the end. Uh, then Wellington Thurman and Sam Alvey was a very, very interesting fight. Look, I, I thought Thurman won all three rounds. Um... I think one judge, I think it was Adelaide Bird, who did not have a great night at all. You know, I think Adelaide Bird has made improvements over the years from being, you know, a very, very, you know, average judge, obviously, for a while. Uh, but I think this card has been uh, not a great showing for her whatsoever. Um, and she gave the third round here, I believe, to uh, to Sam Alvey. I thought the first was relatively close. Um, but how, look, however you score it, Sam Alvey um, got two, or sorry, Wellington Tournament got two points taken in the third round for two eye pokes, one after a few different eye pokes, and in the next one, literally seconds after the first, the point was taken for the uh, the first, the first point was taken for the eye poke. Um, look, the referee warned him a few times, and he poked him, so he took the point. I, I have no problem with that. Uh, it wasn't the worst poke in the world, but the next time he took the point for the eye poke, I actually didn't think it was an eye poke really at all. He, it's it's only an eye poke. It's only illegal if you have your hands out forward, 
and it goes into the eye. You can even see um, Chris Tyone warning Tormund after the first one. Either put your hands in a fist or put your hands up. And he had his hands up. He had his fingers up. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And okay, maybe the fingers went into the eye, but the, f- the hands were up. And it's just unfortunate. It's an accident at that stage. I don't think you can take another point, especially. Okay, warn him and everything like that. Like, okay, this, this I told you to put him up, but you still can't get him into the eyes. I do not think that was a legitimate eye poke at all. I don't think you should have got the point taken, but it mattered not because uh, he won anyway, and I think it was the right decision uh, in the end. Then we had, you know, a KO of the year contender if we didn't have that one in uh, Invicta from Emily Ducotte, which uh, Graham mentioned earlier. You know, KO in the year contender is probably not even KO of the weekend, <laughs> unfortunately, for uh, Abdul Razak al but a beautiful head kick and absolutely just turned the switch off on uh, Alessio Dishiroko. Um, and that's all to be said about it, really. Dishiroko kind of ducked down to one side. Razak al read it and just blistered him with a kick. Uh, and that was to uh, close the main card and open, or close the prelim card, sorry, and open up the main card, Gerald Merchardt. Great comeback against uh, uh, Mahmoud Muradov. Muradov really dominated this fight for the first, what, maybe four and a half minutes-ish. Um, and was just ahead and ahead. And he almost knocked out Mershart a couple of times. But Mershart kept coming back. And there were signs in the last maybe minute of the first round. He landed a few shots. Now, every time he did, Muradov was countering him and landing better. But I thought in, in the first couple of minutes of the second round, Muradov, to me lost a little bit of confidence i know the the commentary was saying he was getting tired i'm not sure if it was more tired or i've hit him with my best shots and i can't put him out and lost that bit of you know pop in his shots more than anything else and um you know mershart when he saw that he sensed it and he went for it he got the back and was able to get the rear naked chalk and a really really good finish there um then we went on to the three um uh, tough fights where we had um we had a Kevin Lee fight in the middle, so I'll mention that. Uh, or actually, the the Andre uh, Petrovsky fight versus uh, Michael Gilmore he got a lovely uh, TKO with elbows and punches in the third round there, and had one of the worst promos of all time afterwards. Then, um, calling out Jeff Bezos or some shit. Uh, Ricky Torcos and Brady Halstead put on a fantastic fight in, and uh, Torcos won the uh, the split decision, the tough finale. Uh, and I'll get to the other, the top two fights in a second. But the, first of all, Daniel Rodriguez versus uh, Kevin Lee. Look, Kevin Lee, we've talked about him a lot over the years, and sometimes he flatters to deceive. But Kevin Lee, Kevin, okay, and, and this fight, look, it was one of those ones where uh, I think Lee it was the first round Lee won, and, and Rodriguez came back and won the next two, and hurt Lee a couple of times throughout it, and he won the fight 29 28 in all three judges' cards. To me, watching Kevin Lee. And we spoke about this recently as well when, you know, we were talking about Darren Elkins and different fighters like that and even like a John Jones um, and Darren Elkins and John Jones. What what I mean there is you need in MMA a combination of technical ability and a real fundamental ability mixed with a dynamism and a toughness and a hardness um, and a bit of wildness as well in the cage. I feel like Kevin Lee has gone too far to the side of technique and tactics. And he does not, he's just not a dynamic enough fighter anymore. He's a beautiful jab and a lovely backhand, although he kind of falls into it sometimes. But 
he he throws those shots lovely, but he just throws those shots all the time. He throws like a jab to the body, comes up over the top, and he does it always very well. But when you're fighting someone like Daniel Rodriguez, and he won't box at you like that, he'll step up over the top, make like a little elbow inside, and then hit you with the right hand on the way out, or sorry, the left hand on the way out, or something like that, or try to you know kind of kick high coming in, and then come with the left hand afterwards. It's just a little bit more dynamic, a little bit more varied than what Kevin Lee is throwing. Like I think Kevin Lee is a better technical fighter than Rodriguez. Now I take nothing away from Rodriguez; he's a very very good fighter, and he won the fight because he's a better all round mixed martial artist. I think. Um, and that's been Kevin Lee's problem for a while. And I think a lot... Look, I was even talking to... Uh, well, I won't say who I was talking to. But I was talking to someone in the, in the chat and they were saying to me that... You know, I've always had great... Uh, pros- I thought Kevin Lee was a great prospect. But not anymore because it's just been over and over and over. Like, honestly, I put up a meme and I was kind of half-joking. Said, you know, the the, uh, the Prince Nazim Hamed, he should just finish kind of meme thing. It is one of them, though, where it's just like... I don't think this is ever going to click for Kevin Lee. Like, I really don't think it's ever going to click for him. And uh, that is unfortunate because he's such a talented guy. Um, and I think Mookie Alexander was saying as well, his chin is always an issue and his ability to take shots is always an issue for Kevin Lee as well. And, like, so your technique will get you through uh, a certain amount and it'll get you through a long way. But if you don't have that physical ability to take shots as well as the dynamism and maybe the, the, the madness of, say, someone like a Darren Elkins, the ability to come back, it's it's going to be harder and harder and harder for that ability and that technique to, to see you through. And I think that's where Kevin Lee is now. Take nothing away from uh, Rodriguez. He absolutely deserved to win this fight. And he's moving on. He's had a great start. I think Aaron Bronsetter put up seven uh, or six and one uh, to start his UFC career. So uh, a fantastic win for him. But the story uh, the story coming out of it will, will be Kevin Lee as, as it tends to be in these sort of fights. So in the other uh, tough finale, the the winner turned out that one to be Brian Battley. He got the rear naked choke submission in the second round uh, over Gilbert Urbina. <laughs> Gilbert started pretty well in that one. <clears throat> you know, Battle, but by the name of him, you know he's tough. Uh, and, you know, for, for the middleweight division... Badly needs a new bit of life, and maybe he can be he can be that. But you know, I don't think he was a standout as maybe uh, Turquoise uh, was in that fight. Uh, but however, then the main event. Actually, before we move to that, it was announcing the show as well. We talked about it earlier. Tom Aspinall is now actually fighting Sergey Spivak, so it's not uh, Pavlovich anymore. It's Spivak, so that's a bit of a change. Uh, and they announced Usman versus Colby as well, and also Rose versus Whaley. So we'll talk about those. Um, Maybe in the Q&A if anyone wants to throw a question at me at Severe Mepod on, on Twitter and we can talk about that there. But um, the, the main event, you get your versus Edson Barboza. What a fun three-round fight. I really, really enjoyed this. Um, Giga started off with just a little bit of a higher pace, I think. And Edson was throwing one or two shots in the first round. And Giga kind of knew quickly, I think, just to like step back for a second Wait for Edson to try his one or two shots in encounter. And he was doing it over and over and over again in that first round. Now, there actually wasn't that much landed by either guy, but I thought the best of the stuff was by Giga. He also threw like a big shot at Edson at one stage. Edson completely boxed it. And then Giga ran in like he had him hurt. And he just kind of maybe caught the judges or something. Which is like low-key a very, very good tactic. And <laughs> I, I I hope to see more of that. But um yeah, I thought he won the first round, but relatively close. Um, I thought, yeah, I didn't think he did enough though. In the second round, Barbosa came out, and rather than throwing the three, four, five shots maybe that he needed to stop what was happening in the first round, he just pressured 
um, Giga lot. He just completely like pressured him against the cage, and he was kind of forcing Giga to throw shots to try to get out from there. And then Barboza was kind of picking him off a little bit, and he was landing some nice leg kicks and stuff like that. So another very close round at the top, and I thought that Barboza did enough for that. And the pressure was something that was causing a lot of problems for Giga because. In the first round, it looked like, and I mentioned on, on commentary even, that Giga had the, uh, the the speed advantage. And I think that pressure of Barboza made Giga throw first. So then it kind of gave Barboza the speed advantage because he could see what was coming and then throw after it. You know, he had that extra second. I'm not sure even if it was, you know, Giga was that much faster than him in the first. I just think he had that extra second because Edson was throwing first. Um, and he won it that way. So... Starting the third, I was thinking, like I was talking to Dean about it, and he said uh, he said to me that Giga looked a bit tired, and I thought he did uh, as well, but may- maybe he was, there was a touch of taking the rounds off or just seeing what was coming to him, or maybe he was, you know, uh, pacing himself a little bit, but in the third round he just came out and there was no pacing himself anymore. I think he realised between the second and third round that he just couldn't let Barboza pressure him like this anymore that if he kept doing that that Barboza was just going to win that fight so he decided to fuck that I'm going to push forward I'm going to let my shots go and that's exactly what he did he hit him with a lot of shots hurt Edson I, I thought the first shot he hurt him was actually like a knee to the body not the liver side but the other side really really hurtful looking shot um then was landing a couple of shots over the top to, to Barboza hit him with a knife I think I think it was the right hand that really rocked him uh then and Barboza was doing kind of the stanky leg uh Barboza went for a takedown but um Giga kind of got out of it but then it, it, it ended up kind of on the ground again um uh, Giga was going for the dash choke at one stage but Barboza managed to get out of it but when he got back to his feet you could still see he was badly badly wobbled and there was really nowhere else to go Giga hit him with a few shots Herzog gave him a bit of a chance but then stepped in as Barboza fell backwards not you know not unable to stand up straight and I think it was a good stoppage you know Barboza complained about it a little bit but when a guy when a guy hits the ground there's a bit of grappling, there's a few shots landed, and then he gets back up and he falls straight down, you know he badly, badly hurt, you know he's badly, badly hurt at that stage, uh, and I think it was a good stoppage afterwards, Giga was looking for a title shot, but he also called out Max Holloway, so uh, that will be fun, that will be fun, right, I'm leaving it there lads, thanks everyone for listening, enjoy the Q&A, will be out Tuesday as always, and we'll have loads more stuff over on patreon.com forward slash severe podcast, good luck.